there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Our inner world is so cluttered with internal accounts that it's impossible for us to act freely. To act freely, what does that mean? It means to be able to do. Well, what I can do, I can yell at people and I can blow the horn and I can flip them off and I can wash my socks and I can do the dishes and I can eat food and I can do, 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 do. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about acting freely. Acting freely means to be able to act without reason, without cause, without the encumberment of old associations and programming and like that, but to act purely from an idea. We act from old associations based on the accounts that we have. We act mechanically. We act unconsciously. And we act effortlessly, but we act effortlessly from a mechanical base. What we need to do is act effortlessly from being. So our being would simply flow effortlessly. As it is, we are too encumbered with internal accounts to be able to act freely. Putting this in a couple of different ways because it's not an easy thing to understand. So I want you to look at it from a couple of different points of view and maybe it will expand your ability to understand it. When we say or think bad things, we are making internal accounts. So let's say, for example, that Jazz talks to his daughter about somebody like the neighbor. And he says, well, you know, that guy, blah, 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 blah. And the daughter goes, yeah, dad, I know what you mean. And that's the end of it. That's saying bad things. That's making internal accounts. Doing this welcomes unhappiness into our lives while we remain oblivious to what we're doing. Now, think of how many times just on that one thing you make internal accounts in a day. Observe that. Just make note of that. How many times in a day you make internal accounts in just that way, just saying something about somebody else. Now, take the reverse of that. I can say something about my neighbor, and I can say, well, you know, the mayor of Vista, who lives there, he can do anything he wants, and they're probably going to pay him to do it. He runs over the neighbor's dog, somebody's probably going to give him an award. If I run over the neighbor's dog, I'm going to get sued. That's making internal accounts. It doesn't matter how you lie about them. That's making internal accounts. Doing that welcomes unhappiness into our lives. We will remain oblivious to what we're doing. People don't see what they think and say affects their lives. People think and say with impunity. There's a reason for that. They imagine that darkness hides, that what goes on in their head, what goes on behind closed doors, doesn't matter, isn't a cause, and therefore has no effect. They think that if nobody knows, if nobody sees, then it didn't really happen. I remember I worked for a guy got hit by a car once. He was walking across the street and he got hit by a car. It was a hit and run. Whoever hit him left. He was knocked out of the street, over the sidewalk, and into some bushes where he laid for like eight hours. Nobody saw it. Nobody even knew that he was there. But do you know that his whole life was about that? His whole life, I mean, the fact that he'd been crippled by it too helped, but his whole life was about that nobody helped him. Nobody saw. So I ask you, since nobody saw, does that mean it didn't happen? No, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. 
The thing is, is that we think that if nobody sees what we think or what we say, it doesn't have an effect. And that's wrong. It does have an effect. But there is nothing hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. That's from Mark chapter 4, verse 22. All day long, we take in impressions negatively, never wondering why we're depressed, why we're unhappy, why we feel waterlogged and sluggish internally. We see no cause for what affects us negatively. We just don't understand it. How could I feel this way? Why would I feel this way? There's just no reason for it. The reason for it is the way you think. The reason for it is the things that you say, both externally to someone else and that you say to yourself inside. That's the reason for it. You are sowing that negativity and you are reaping it internally. Nothing has to happen out there. You can sit by yourself in a cave and do that without any contact with another human being. All the bad effects from which we suffer are all mysterious to us. How did that happen? Well, I wonder why I feel this way. Well, and so we make up reasons for it. Ooh. I hate it when they call when I'm eating. And there's a stupid phone call about, do I want to have my screens replaced? Or when was the last time I had my house painted? While I'm eating or I'm watching this really good television program, this reality television program about how people get upset because somebody calls them when they're eating. And then you watch these people all go, and throw things around and break windows and whatever else they do. Yeah. That's entertainment, I guess. How unjust the universe is. How wicked, selfish, and stupid are people. Life is so unfair. We feel we can do internally what we cannot do outside without repercussions of an unpleasant nature. Well, like jail time, for example. <laughs> That's an unpleasant repercussion of something we might want to do. So we don't do it outside. We don't do it in the world, but we do it inside with impunity. We do it inside all day long, but we don't even know it. We do it so often and so regularly, we don't even know we're doing it. We just do it. And then we're constantly reaping all these effects. We're poisoning ourselves internally, floating around in this poison internally. And then we wonder why we feel poisoned. Well, we have poisoned ourselves. I remember someone used to say, someone in my life used to say, they had a pain in the back. It was like somebody stuck a knife in their back and they said, well, somebody is, somebody's sticking a knife in my back. You know, somebody's talking about me or somebody means me harm and blah, 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 blah. Well, I can tell you right where that comes from. That comes from you. That comes from you thinking that people are trying to harm you. That comes from you thinking bad thoughts about other people. That's what that's from. You couldn't tell that person that, but I'm telling you that. Because you haven't come to me complaining about somebody sticking a knife in your back. I can say to you, that's what that's from. You're sticking the knife in your own back. Oh, you have this? Well, then you're doing that. You're doing it to yourself internally. No, you're saying that other people have no effect on me? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying other people affect you completely, totally, absolutely. That you are completely a machine and run by what other people do, think, say, how they gesture, how they don't gesture, whether they're on time or not on time, whether they wear this, whether they wear that, whether they're bald, whether they have gray hair, whether they have no hair, whether they cry, whether they yell, whatever they do, whether they pick their nose, whether they pick their teeth, whether they suck their teeth, whatever, whatever it is, you are run by that. That is what makes you feel. That is what makes you think, and that is what makes you do. So no, I'm not saying that people have no effect on you. I'm saying that this work can help you to insulate yourself from that. But it's not by pushing the people away. It's by learning about yourself and dealing with how you take in impressions and transforming those impressions as they come in so that they no longer fall in those places inside of you that poison you. That is what I'm talking about. But you don't want to do that. That's too hard. You want to make those other people stop doing Stop sucking your teeth. Stop picking your nose. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. That's what you want to do. 
because it's easier to beat someone over the head. It's easier to beat someone in submission. Might makes right. It's easier to take a gun and threaten them. It's easier to make a fist and shake it in their face. It's easier to try and run them off the road in your car. Don't tell me you haven't done this because I know you have. It's easier to do those things than it is to do this stuff internally. This stuff internally is difficult. Our first education teaches the majority of people not to shoot people that they dislike. First education works pretty well. You're only allowed to shoot people under certain circumstances. Self-defense, if you're a police officer and you feel like your life is in danger, or if you're in the military and then you get to shoot the enemy and anybody else you can get away with shooting and make it look like the enemy did it. Others do it and go to prison. So the people who learn from the first education don't do it externally. The people who don't learn from the first education, they go to the education 1B. It means behind bars. 1A is the education that everyone gets. They go to school, they grow up in a family, they get this education. However you get your education, when life teaches you how to behave in life. 1B is when you go to prison or you go to some institution or you go to, you're hospitalized or whatever. It's the same education, but it's just more severe because you didn't get it the other way. You shot somebody or you clubbed somebody, you stole from somebody, you got caught. The second education, this work, is our second education. But very few people even come in contact with that. So there are some people who don't get the first education. I mean, it doesn't take for them. They become serial killers or whatever, or sociopaths, whatever they become. But the second education, very few people even get to have. We can't murder a person in our heart without suffering consequences. That's the second education. The first education is you can't shoot that person unless you're willing to go to jail. The second education is you can't even murder that person in your heart unless you're willing to have the consequences for it. So this is why we do it so often, because we haven't had the second education. We stand between two realities. One comes through the senses, while the other comes from higher centers. One is external, one is internal. So the external one is our existence. This is the one we know, this is the one we see, this is the one we feel, this is the one we taste, this is the one we touch, this is the one we hear, this is the one we smell. It's very real to us, very real to us. And we think that we are the instrument that conveys these vibrations to us internally. But we're not. We're so identified with the instrument, we think we are the instrument. The instrument breaks, then that's the end. But that's not the truth. But we don't know the truth. So this other reality is this one that comes from higher centers, this internal reality. Esotericism aims at governing us internally by its power, by its power, not by your power, by its power, so that we can't behave badly to anyone in our mind, in our heart, and our soul without feeling some kind of loss of force. This is how it governs us. Now you can behave badly toward anyone you want in your mind, in your heart, and in your soul. And you can do it pretty much without feeling any sense of loss. In fact, I've seen people behave badly toward other people and not only feel a sense of, not only feel a sense of losing force, they felt a sense of gaining force. And all it is, is adrenaline and imagination. It's adrenaline in the body and imagination in the mind, which acts like adrenaline. So what does that mean? It means that somebody can make some kind of a harsh decision about another person, be negative, and feel empowered. It won't last. There's a downside to that. The pendulum will come back to the other side. And when it does, the person will be depressed. They'll need to go out and beat somebody up again. Why is it that wars keep on going? Well, because there's never enough violence. There is never enough violence. During wars, people not only kill a person, they then mutilate the body. Why? It's just never enough. That hatred, that negativity, that violence, there's never enough expression of it to make it stop because all it does is multiply it. 
but we don't understand that. We think that it's the answer. We think if I crack his skull good this time, he'll never do that again. And I'll feel better anyway, just for getting it out. This is a lie. Your feel better has a downside. It will come back on you. But we don't understand that because we disconnect what we do with what we feel. We don't connect cause and effect. For a long time, we're too dense to realize this loss of force that comes from behaving badly in our heart, our mind, or our soul toward another human being or toward anything, toward some event even. We actually think negative emotions give us force. They do not. They only strengthen what we are not at the cost of what we are. Negative emotions give false personality force. They don't give you force. Negative emotions give false personality force. If you are getting force from negative emotions, you are being false personality. You are being the machine. So if you go with those negative emotions, you are going with the loss of force. You're going into false personality out of the safe place of separation. We work to purify our lower centers. That's what we're about. We are trying to purify our lower centers. It's not enough to observe yourself. You must begin to purify your lower centers. Well, what does that mean? It means don't go with your negative emotions. It means don't go with the little mechanical eyes. It means don't go with the easy thoughts and the bad behavior inside toward other people. Just because it's hidden doesn't mean you're not affected by it. You are affected by it. And just because it's hidden, you think no one else can see it, doesn't mean it's not there. It is there. The lower turns us toward life, toward our first education. This is why we are trying to purify the lower centers so that we can receive from higher centers. If you have a child who has a tea party and they have their little tea set out and they make little mud patty cakes and they take mud and water and they mix it up and so it's really runny mud and they use that for tea. You'll pretend to sip it for them and you'll pretend to eat it for them but you won't. You won't do it. And you won't encourage them to do it either. And if you do have tea for real, you'll wash those cups out first. And that is what we're talking about. We're talking about our lower centers being very dirty and very muddy from their contact with this world. And they need to be purified before we can put anything pure and good and worth drinking, worth eating into them worth having inside of us. That comes from higher centers. We need to first purify our lower centers. The higher centers, the stuff comes in, it's just going to turn to the same stuff that's already in there. It's not going to work. So what's the first education? Well, we do math. So obviously I, my first education was so, wasn't so good there. But we read, we write, we speak, we learn how to live in the external world. While this work is about relating you to your internal world. So your first education relates you to the external world. So whatever it is that's relating you to the external world, that's your first education. Your second education is how you relate to your internal world, finding that you have an internal world, finding that it is vast, finding that there are different states, different neighborhoods, different thoughts, different eyes. Finding all that, this work gives you the opportunity to begin to find all that. What do you do instead? You study the work. You read about the work. But do you go inside and see for yourself that you are not one, that you are many, that you have different states and some of them you don't even know when you're in them? You wake up in a state and you say, well, what state is this? What state is this? And you don't know. You don't know how you got there. You don't know how to get out of there. You don't know what state it is. You don't know what to do. It's because inside we're dumb. Inside we haven't learned. We haven't been educated properly. That's what this work is for, to educate us properly. You can't relate to the internal without first having a good relationship with the external. This is what the work calls a good householder. 
You can't really relate to your internal world properly until you can relate to your external world properly. Well, what does that mean? We have to pay life with life effort. That's what it means. You have to pay life with life effort before you can get something more blessed. Once you cross that line, you'll be held to account. What that means is you pay life with life effort. Lots of people do that. Lots of people are very good at that. They go to work. They do this. They do that. Some people are not so good at it, like Curtis. Curtis will say, well, I know I'm supposed to work, but I really want to watch a movie. So he works at home, so he watches a movie. And then he kind of kicks back and, you know, maybe has some popcorn or whatever. And he goes, oh, darn, that's right. I wasn't supposed to eat popcorn because that's not on my diet. And I was supposed to do this, but I didn't get it done because I was watching this movie. And blah, blah, blah. And then what happens is it all piles up and he's still got all the things to do. And now he's stressed out because he didn't get it done when he was supposed to get it done. So now the stress and the contraction makes it harder to do it. So it now slows it all down. So it takes longer to do it. He doesn't do it quite as well. I said, well, Kurt, you know, one of the rules I have in life is to do the work first. I do the work that I had to do first. I work first, then I play. I work first, then I rest. I never play first and then work. It's like people laugh at me because I always eat what I don't like on the plate first. So if I get served a plate of food, the thing that I don't like is what I eat first. Why? Because that's the work. That's what I have to do. That is self-discipline. That is what you do. You discipline yourself. That's your first education. This is not a second education. (coughs) This is a first education. This is how you're supposed to live your life. This is what it means to be a good householder. It means to be responsible, to pay life with life effort, not to skate, not to go, oh, well, I don't have to make any life effort because I'm making all this work effort now. No, you have to make the life effort first before you're even allowed to do the work effort. You have to become somewhat stable in life before you can even think about doing this work. You have to relate to the external world well before you can even dream of relating to your internal world at all. People who have not entered this path can do whatever they want to do, whereas our freedom is only found in submission to something higher. This is a difficult thing. People think that, well, I'm just going to be able to do whatever I want. You know, once I get this, I'm just going to be able to do whatever I want. No, not at all. If you want to do whatever you want, go back out into the world. There are very strict rules about what you can get away with in the world. They're not really that strict. Look at how many people speed and don't get caught. Look at how many people do whatever they do and don't get caught. Look at how many unsolved murders there are. Look at how many people burglarize and then get away with it. You find you, no, the police never find your stuff. You find that at a swap meet or something, <laughs> if you went looking. How often does that happen? It happens more often than not. That's why people still do it. If everybody who ever murdered somebody was in prison, well, I mean in an outer way, if everybody who ever murdered somebody in an outer way was in prison, then we'd be building more prisons. You don't think so. How many murders go unsolved? The majority. The easy ones are the only ones that get solved. Somebody comes in, they confess. They've got a smoking gun in their hand. They're standing over their dead wife or husband. You know, Those are the ones that get solved. The other ones don't get solved. Why do you think they have these programs on television 48 hours? If you don't get it done in 48 hours, it's not going to get done. And they don't get that many done in 48 hours. Why? Well, because people are busy watching movies instead of working. That's why. They're busy going to the restaurant or having a conversation or stopping off at their girlfriend's house or for a nooner or whatever before they do what their job is. So it's like, why? It's because they were not educated properly. Why? Because they're not willing to pay life with life effort. They think somehow they're going to get away with having something without paying for it. It's pure insanity, but it's the insanity that runs the world. Sorry, Curtis. Didn't mean to use you as an example in all those horrible things now. You can hate me later or hate me now. Or not hate me at all. It's your leisure. 
those governed by external events are part of life. If you have something to do and you do something else, you are governed by external events. No, that's not true. I watched that movie because I wanted to, not because life made me do it. Yes, you're governed by external events. For whatever reason, you didn't feel like working. You felt like doing something else. And that reason has something to do with something external. It has nothing to do with you internally. You're not in charge internally. It was something external. I felt like eating that cow. No, you didn't feel like eating that cow. You stuffed that cow down. You may have pretended that you liked it, but you didn't. What you did was you were driven by something external and it made you do something. People don't overeat because it feels good. People don't eat comfort food because it tastes good. It's all in their mind. It's how they take in impressions. It's how they associate with this and that. And it's all driven by life, makes you a part of life. They are in and of the world and therefore under different laws. They can do as they please, the way animals live. When was the last time a cat got arrested for killing a bird? When was the last time a cat got a timeout for eating a gopher? When was the last time a dog got busted for urinating on a fire hydrant? You try that and see what happens. No, go ahead. Go downtown somewhere and urinate on a fire hydrant while people are watching. Find out what happens to you. You see, you're under different laws, aren't you? That's right. And so it shouldn't be that difficult to understand that people who are in life are under different laws than people who are in this work. The work begins only in those who start to understand they can't act, they can't think, and they can't feel with impunity. The work becomes an internal governor. It governs what we can think, what we can feel, and what we can do. Well, that doesn't sound like freedom to me. Oh, it is freedom. It is freedom from being run by the world. Well, it doesn't sound like it to me. Fine, then go back to the world. I didn't ask you to come here anyway. And I'm not selling anything. And I'm not collecting. So it's like, what's that to me? Do what you want. You're a free agent. Do what you want. You want to go back out in the world and live that way? Do that. It's when you start to understand that you can't think, act, and feel with impunity. That you can no longer walk the earth so proudly that you can no longer swagger about and boast, that you can no longer open your mouth and say whatever you want, that you no longer have the right to murder people in your heart, that you no longer have the right to expect people to treat you in a certain way. That is when the work is feeding you from higher centers. When that starts to happen in you, that is when you'll know you're doing the work. Our inner state determines our distance from the higher centers. The more mechanical we are, the lower we fall inside of ourselves. The more negative we are, the lower we fall inside of ourselves. The lower we fall inside of ourselves, the further higher centers are from us. If you're on the first story of a building and the higher centers are on the 18th floor, you're that many floors away. If you've made it up to the 9th floor, then you're that many floors away. It's about your states and your level of being. You need to get closer to higher centers in order to have them influence you. When you follow life, it takes you down lower, more external to yourself. Those who give in to judgment, to hatred, to bitterness, to unforgiveness, to malice, to envy, and all of that stuff become like waterlogged wood that can't conduct higher vibrations of intelligence and meaning coming from higher centers. You take an African slit drum. It's a drum that they make out of a log, and they, a hollow log, and they carve slits in it so that there are wooden tongues. And then they wrap those wooden tongues, hit them with something, and that makes a sound. And the different size of the tongues make different sounds. And it's actually very pleasant because it vibrates at different rates because of the different size of the tongues. If you take that and you soak it in water and make it waterlogged, then when you hit it, it will not sound the same. If it makes any sound at all, it's going to be a, a fuddy splash. 
That's what happens to us when we allow judgment and hatred, unforgiveness and bitterness, malice and envy to soak in us. When we allow ourselves to soak in those things, we become waterlogged. The higher vibrations cannot be conducted then. We're not as flexible. We're just soppy, thick, imbued with all of this garbage. So the finer vibrations have no effect on us. We can't get meaning from the higher centers that way. This is why we start with self-observation of what's going on inside of us and our state in relation to what's going on inside of us. So find out what's going on inside of you. So I have these thoughts or I have those thoughts. Now look and find out what state that puts you in, what state you are in when you have those kinds of thoughts, when you have those kinds of feelings, when you are bitter, when you are hateful, when you are jealous, when you are envious, when you are unforgiving. What kind of a state does it put you in? Well, it makes me feel like I'm right. Okay, so it puts you in a self-righteous state. Yeah, that's right. So I'm right. Okay, well then live there. You're not going to get anything from higher centers. Well, I don't care. I'm right. Fine. Then be right. Then that's where you live. And you're waterlogged and that's it. This is what makes up our psychological body. What we do and the states that they put us in. What we do, what we think, what we feel. These things put us into certain states. These states are what make up our psychological body. This is what we're supposed to be observing. Our psychological body. We work to develop this inner relationship to events to change how we take them into our inner world and what we do with them when they're there. We look at all this so that an event can come up and we see what effect that event has on us. We look at it. We see the thoughts. We see the feelings. We see the sensations that come in response to this event. And we look inside of ourselves and we see what they are. I think this. I feel this. I sense this. And then we see what state it puts us in. It puts us in a state of agitation. It puts us in a state of elation. Or it puts us in a state of peace. Or it puts us in a state of angst. Or it puts us in a state of excitement. We see those things. We see the state that it puts us in. And then we separate from it. And we map it out. We map the state. We map the thoughts. We map the feelings. We map the sensations. And we see what states they bring about. And then we get between them with the work. Those who can't see that they're governed by events will never understand what it means to be a machine. They will insist that they're not machines. They'll never understand it because they can't see that they're governed by events. If you can see that you're governed by events, even to a small degree, then you have an opportunity to do this work. The other people will live in denial, imagining that they're real people when they're simply machines, just like you did most of your life. When we identify with every event, we're part of life not distinct from it. We need to be distinct from life. You need to stand apart from life so that life is going on and you are apart from it. You are not in the stream of life. You are standing outside the stream of life, watching the stream of life go by. You are insulated from the stream of life. We're like the ants and the trees, the rocks, the dogs, the cats, the birds, just doing whatever they do in life. Most of the time, if you stand back and look at your life, you would see an ant a tree, a rock, a cat, a bird, you would see some machine just doing what it does. Every once in a while, you wake up in the kitchen and you go, what was I doing? Every once in a while, you open the refrigerator and you're looking in there and go, what was I looking for? Every once in a while, you find yourself in the pantry and you go, what am I doing here? You were a machine and you woke up and went, what? What was the machine doing? Now see if you could say, instead of what am I doing here, why did the machine come in here? Well, if you had been aware, you would have been aware that the machine was going in there for some reason. But because you weren't, because you were sleeping, the machine got in there and then you woke up and looked around and went, what did the machine come in here for? We are stuck in all the feelings that life gives us. You know, it's like we're just stuck in all the feelings, all the anxieties in which it marinates us like ceviche. You know, ceviche is just generally 
fish that they marinate in lime or lemon, some kind of acidic juice, and it cooks the fish, chemically cooks the fish. And that's ceviche, and this is what's happening to us. We're marinating in all of this acidic stuff that life gives us, these feelings that life gives us. We're marinating in that, and it's cooking us. Just in case you hadn't noticed, cook things are dead. If you want to be dead, then marinate in the feelings that life brings to you. If you want to be alive, begin to separate from those feelings. We remain so far away from giving ourselves the conscious shocks of transformation of impressions coming in from life because we allow ourselves to get our feelings and our states and our thoughts from life. What I'm suggesting is you get your feelings and you, your thoughts and your states from this work. That's what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting you do that instead of get them from life. Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. For those of you who want to read that in your own language, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything, by anything out there. I'm not going to be mastered by those things. Yes, it's okay. I can do that, but it's not profitable for me to do that. Yes, I have the freedom to do that. This is what people don't understand. People who are run by life do not understand this kind of separation. When all things become lawful for you, you can do whatever it is you do. But you realize, because you're awake, that not everything is profitable. You realize, yes, I would like to do that, I want to do that, but that's not profitable and I'm not going to do that. But see, people who are run by life can't do that. If they see it and they want it, they have to have it. That's what burglary is about, that's what murder is about, that's what stealing is about. It's people who think that they have to have what they see in life. There comes a time when you can separate, when you begin the transformation process and you are different. You don't have to have it. It doesn't run you anymore. People who are still run by it can't understand that. They think that you're going to act just like them. They think that you'll do just exactly what they would do or just exactly what everyone else would do because they have no understanding. And they will cause you a world of grief. You'll just have to endure their unpleasant manifestations until they go away. Eventually, they'll go away or they'll get it. We must observe how we take impressions of life. We must transform them through understanding of this work. This is how we begin to hear higher centers. If you want to hear higher centers, you've got to begin to understand this work. If you want to understand this work, you've got to begin to take the impressions of life through the work. You can't allow them to just come in raw. These higher centers Plato called truth, beauty, and goodness. The Gospels call the Holy Spirit. Many disciplines call these higher centers different things. This is our source. This is our hope of transformation and the way to its full realization. Someone said to me the other day, well, you couldn't be man number four. Really, why not? People who start on this path, people who begin to balance, people who begin to observe themselves, people who begin to become aware of this work and themselves. They are man number four. It's not this lofty thing that's so far away. It's a thought away. It's a slight turn. It's just a little shift. There's nothing to it. But you're so used to, you know, returning to life and being life pointed toward life, you still want what's in life. And so you can't balance because you're still looking at life. You're still looking for life to give you something. It's when you start to look to the work to give you something, even if it hasn't given you anything. It's when you're looking to the work to give you something. It's when you're teetering on the edge between the world and the work that you are balancing, that you are becoming man number four. You're crossing the threshold. Man number four is not man number three. It's not man number one or two. It's, it's not man number five, six, or seven. It's just this thin sliver. And it's when you really do stand between these two realities and you know it.
you begin to see both of the realities at the same time. That's all it is. It's not difficult. It's just impossible for someone who is life-directed because they don't know that the other even exists. The reality is life. So this transformational process can be fully realized or it can be partially realized. Right now, you have partial realization. That can increase or it can decrease until you are crystallized. In other words, until it's yours, until it's solid. It can decrease. So you can move up or down the scale of being. I recommend you move up toward higher centers. I recommend you observe yourself to see what thoughts, what feelings, what eyes, what sensations lead you down toward life and what sensations lead you up toward forgiveness, conscious love, separation, non-identification, and canceling accounts. That's what I recommend. You do whatever you can do. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.